Amen. Good morning, church. Let's do better than that. Good morning, church. Just take it in for a minute. Just take a look around if you would. Just look around for a moment. Just look around. Telling Don Jacobs this morning. I remember early days when I was showed up, um, he and I and Ron Dana would have an interesting conversation. And it went something like this. You know, let's only set up six rows. And then when we fill up, we'll add the seventh row. And there was always a debate that went on. No, let's go ahead and set them up because people will come. Well, no, let's go ahead and only do six and we'll add the seventh later. And so we did that. But today we have three times that many rows that we have to set up. And I tell you, God has been so good. God has been so good. We are so excited. As I thought about today, as I've been praying and thinking about today, there's so many things that I'm thankful for. One thing that I'm thankful for is the, the love this church has, the love that it's shown my family. You love us well. But maybe even more important, the love you show for one another. If you're brand new here, let me just tell you something. If this is your first time or you're relatively new, I just want you to know something about Cross Off East. These people are crazy for Jesus, all right? They're, they're crazy. And for us, as you just demonstrated through our worship, it really is all about Jesus. And so we're so thankful for what he's done in the life of the church. But I'm also thankful for the faithful people who stayed here for 10 amazing years. In fact, I would, you know, yeah, we'll get to that in just a minute. Hold on. Hold your applause. If you started with East Campus, I mean, like you were there day one when they launched this whole bad boy over at Corner, La Corner Lakes uh, Middle School, I want you to stand up. Day one. Day one. Yeah. We got a few families are here, and if you came to Cross Life East while we were at Corner Lakes all together, started coming. There you go. Now, for all of you that you sat out, and you have a seat. That's enough applause for you. Now, for for those of you that have been here and just and like you really launched and decided, hey man, this is going to be my home since we've moved to Columbia Elementary. I want those folks to stand. Come on, those from Columbia Elementary, we started coming. An incredible amount of folks. You guys can have a seat. As I think about it, I'm so thankful for the faithfulness, not only of God, but of the people that made this church and makes this church what it is today. And so today, we're going to celebrate that. Today, we've got a lot of things to celebrate, but I want to take some time today, and I want us to do three things. I want us to look back a little bit. I want us to look at the present, and then I want us to look to the future. So the first thing I want to encourage all of us to do is I want us to remember our journey, even if you're new here. This is still part of your journey. A little over 10 years ago, Pastor Mercer, God kind of pressed a vision on his heart that there was not much out in East Orlando. There was, there's a few, maybe a church is kind of four miles north of us in Seminole County, maybe a few kind of uh, west of us and east of us that are, that are several miles away, but there was nothing right here that was reaching the people that lived in this area of Cypress Lakes, Corner Lakes, Wedgefield, Christmas. There was anything that was going on that really was making a difference, and God put a passion in his heart, so we need to plant a satellite campus in East Orange County, and what little do they know? That in 2013, when this campus was launched, the, the population of zip code 32820 of just this area was 7,000 people. Ten years later, that zip code is over double that number. It's incredible, from seven to almost 14,000 people now. And they're estimating that with the growth that's coming this way with the grow community, that it were more exactly what this area and this surrounding area began to look like. And so we're excited about that. And as they planted this campus, it was planted with a mission in mind. The mission is this. Let's, let's focus on leading people to love, know, trust, 
and follow Jesus. Now, here's what I love about that. Let's not complicate this thing. Let's just have a singular mission, and that mission is we're going to do the best we can to lead people to love, know, trust, and follow Jesus. We're going to lead people to realize that they have a Savior that loves them and cares about them, and we want to be a part of a church that sees people saved, people baptized, and people's lives change forever. We want a group of people to be planted in East Orlando that's going to work the fields around us, that's going to get to embrace the harvest that's going to come, and for 10 years... That's what we've been doing for 10 years. Now, let me say this. I don't, I don't want, I want to be remiss if I didn't say it. There's come some difficulties along the way. Right? And you know what I'm talking about. Everything has difficulties. And so we've had some difficulties along the way. There's been difficulties that relates to leadership at different times. Uh, probably the one that we're all most familiar with, there's been some difficulties as it relates to a thermostat in this place. Right? You know what I'm talking about. If you've not been around, you'll, you'll, you'll kind of ask somebody. We know what that feels like. In fact, I was thinking about this morning, my, my second Sunday here, the enemy doesn't want us to talk about this, by the way, my second Sunday here, we had just met outside the week before because it was too hot. The air wasn't working. They said the air was working in here, but I wasn't convinced it was working. And so we were setting up, and I was walking across this floor before we had any chairs out, and it was so hot and humid in here, you could see wet moisture all the way across the floor. And as I'm walking across here, I'm the only one in the room but minus one person, I took a shot and I slid about five feet across the floor. And the tech guy, Cameron Lynch at the time, goes, I saw nothing, right? And so, and so, so one thing that we realize is that we, we've got a place where we've had some difficulties as it relates to stuff like that. We've also had some difficulties like every church, COVID, right? Man, it's all hard. But what I want us to think about this morning is as we look at the, our journey and remember our journey is... Look where God has brought us. Look where God has us today. Do you know that in the 10 years this church has existed, we've baptized almost 200 people in those 10 years? Yeah, let's give the Lord praise for that. But 55 of those have been the last two years. And so we've seen God do some incredible things. Do you know that the first six years of this campus being here, that financially the Oviedo campus had to support us to a level like no other to make sure this campus could even just stay afloat? But the last four years, we've been completely and totally financially self-sufficient as a campus. And that's incredible. Do you know that in the last 10 years, this church has developed a culture, a DNA rather, a DNA about serving? If you ever come to Discover Cross Life, you're going to hear me say this, that at, at this church, on this campus, one element of our DNA is we just love to serve. And you think about the, the things we, the agencies we've connected with. We've connected, Drew's done an incredible job connecting with East River High School, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. We've connected, Don Jacobs has, and team has connected with disaster relief that just went up north and helped with the hurricane victims. I mean, we've connected to so many serving agencies. We've connected to Orange County Academy, just down in Bithlow, an impoverished school where we go and we've served and we've shown up and we've loved on some families. We've also connected to one of my favorite people in Bithlow. Her name is Roxy Webster. Roxy runs the Neighborhood Center for Families, and we've partnered with her to do countless different projects to tell our community we love them. Why? Because we realized something as a church after 10 years. We most look like Jesus when we're serving. Amen? Amen. We most look like him when we're serving. But also, we did something really crazy about three years ago. Really, really crazy. We took a journey of faith. 
We said, you know what? God is blessing us so much that we feel like it's time for us to get a home. And so we began a journey. Now, I just want you to know that if you look at this, bo- this, this canvas board behind me, there's about 60 families signed on there. And you may go, Doug, well, that wasn't a lot. Of, that's not a lot of people that signed on to this vision. That's all we had. When we launched that bad boy, when we start talking about this, we'd just come out of COVID, show up, because we had met in almost seven months collectively together. And we said, we believe we need a home. And so we launched into something. And if you remember, I challenged you on that day. Because of the size of our church, because this was a humongous bite we were going to take out financially to buy a piece of property for $600,000, and we had 130 people max coming on Sunday morning. And we said, you know, here's what we're going to have to do. If you may remember the coaster, I said, we're going to have to obey irrationally. We're going to have to give extravagantly, and we're going to have to pray some really big prayers. Remember that? And guess what? We did. And in 2021, in January, we closed on that property. And in 2023, in January of this year, we completely paid our debt off, and we are completely debt-free as a church. I mean, listen, isn't that incredible? It's incredible what God has been doing in through our church, but also as we look back and as we celebrate what God has done, yes, I want us to remember the, the baptism, the finances, the DNA of serving, the journey of faith that we've gone through. And I, I love this board. Bill Henderson made it for us because he said, what do you want? I said, you know, it's going to take us $300,000, we think, to really kind of pay for this land in a good way and make a good down payment. And there's, if you were to get close to the board, you'd see there's 300 squares to the middle of that property. Our goal was 200000 but our stretch goal was three hundred. And the last day that we were taking money in for this, we raised $305,000 from a congregation that was about 160 people. So it was incredible. I mean, it's just awesome what God has done. But one thing I'm most excited about is the culture we've created around here. It's a culture of family. I had a meeting last week with a guy talking about some stuff and pertaining to the land and a broker, and he made a comment to me. He said, what do your parishioners think? I can tell he's not very church. He called them you parishioners. I said, they're not parishioners. They're my family. I'm speaking on behalf of my family because that's the culture we've created, a culture where you feel like you can belong here, a place where you can come and do community together, a place where you can come and know that I matter. That's why we've had prayer boards up. We had prayer boards up last year. Amazing to me to watch people come and to stand in front of that prayer request board and stand there and just pray for the needs of people in our congregation. And then we talked about being together. You can see that mirror over there. We talked about taking pictures because we know we're better together than we are separate, right? And so we built a culture of family. Let me tell you something else. Not only do we have a culture of family, we are a church for the family. I mean, as I look back over even just the last five years, what I've seen God do in the life of our church has been incredible. Our student ministry with Drew has done great things. We were averaging very few kids when he first came, and now I think we're like at six and seven times what we had when Drew first came 18 months ago. They had 66 kids last Wednesday night. I mean, just doing an incredible job with our students. Yeah, let's give him some praise for that. Thank the Lord for that. And then our children's ministry. I like numbers. Our children's ministry has grown 625% in the last four and a half years. We are averaging over almost 50 kids every single week in our kids' ministry. And so we are not only a church that feels like family, we're a church for the family. Now, I just want to say this to you, because Jerry's done a great job with the children's ministry, and, and I'm going to talk more about that. And yeah, I think remembering today is important for us. 
Do you know that one of the most powerful words Jesus ever used was the word remember? Do you remember when he just fed the 4,000 people and the disciples are arguing over who forgot the bread and Jesus makes this statement, remember when I broke the bread? Remember when I fed the people? In other words, what Jesus is saying is, you need to remember because you're arguing about something that doesn't matter because I'm the one that stepped in with a few fish, a few loaves, and look what I did. Remember who I am. And I think the beauty of us remembering the journey we've been on is remembering how God has provided for us, how God has protected us. And so this morning, I want to ask you to do this. I would ask you, just right where you're at, would you think about how did you come in contact with East Campus? What is your journey? What is your story? How has this body of believers impacted and changed your life? So first of all, let's look back and remember the journey. Second of all, I want to look at the present. And this is where I'm going to camp ground. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 22 is where I'm going to be. Matthew chapter 22. And I want to talk this morning a little bit about, just as we look at this passage quickly, embracing our purpose. Embracing our purpose. See, it's always important to remember, but if that's the only place you stay, it's called nostalgia. Right? Are you with me, church? Say amen. If we stay there, that's nostalgia. That's when we start talking about our used to good days. That's when we start talking about our used to days. That's the days we look back and go, well, back in the day, were you? No, 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 no. The journey where we've come from is a foreshadowing of where God is taking us. And it's important for us to embrace our purpose. Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, beginning of verse 34. But when a Pharisee heard that he had been silenced, the Sadducees gathered together And one of them, a lawyer, in fact, asked him this question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And here's what Jesus said. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to this. On these two commandments... Hinge or depend all the law and all the prophets. Now, what I want you to notice as we think about this today, as we embrace our purpose, Jesus makes this comment. He talks to say, love God and love people. For us, it's not a cliche. For us, it's not a cliche. It is very much the purpose of our lives and our church to do all we can to love God and to love people. Our purpose as Cross Life East is to love God and to love people. Can I get an amen on that one? I hope you buy into that and know that. But what Jesus said is, listen, everything hinges on these two things. All the Old Testament hinges, all that we've been taught hinges on loving God and loving people. And I want to tell you our purpose, since Jesus is the wisest man to ever live, and we're going to take our cues from Jesus, we're going to say that our purpose as a church and as Christ's followers hinge on the same two things. First of all, it hinges on loving God. Did you notice there he says this, that I want you to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. That word heart in the Greek, it means the core of who you are. It could be translated, forgive me for saying it, it could be translated bowels. It means the most inward part of your spiritual being. I want you to love God there. Now why would Jesus say that? In the inwardmost part of your being, I want you to love God like that. Because Jesus knew something that we all know. The heart matters. Jesus said it this way, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth what? Speaks. Proverbs 4 tells us to guard the heart, for it's the wellspring of life. 
And so why did Jesus say this about the heart? Because he knows that the heart is where faith happens. In our hearts, we believe. Jesus understood that in our hearts is where conviction takes place. Jesus understood that in our hearts is where commitments are made. And so what Jesus is saying to us is like, I want you to love God with everything you are, from the depth and the, the recesses of your heart, where you believe, where you build conviction, where you, where you make your commitments. I want you to love him from the depth of your total being. That's how I want you to love God. And quite frankly, listen, sometimes we need some work on that, don't we? We need some work on that. But can we just say this? Isn't that how he loves us? Doesn't he love us with the depth of who he is? Part of the nature and character of who he is is his love for us. And Jesus says, listen, all of life, all of ministry hinges on loving me with all of your heart. Not part of your heart, not a portion, all of your heart, all of your belief, all of your convictions, all of your commitments. I want all of you. And he says heart and then soul. This is interesting. The soul word is an interesting word in the Greek. It literally be translated psyche. It's referring to our emotions, our desires, and our longings. And so what he's saying is you need to love God from the depth of your desires, that your chief desire in life needs to be him. The chief longing of your life is not a greater career. It's not a bigger house. It's not more kids. It's just to be close to Jesus. In fact, the idea is that maybe what we should allow stir us is his spirit in us. Let's be stirred in our soul. Let's be stirred in our psyche about the magnitude of our sin, but let's also be stirred by the magnitude of his grace. Loving me with all your heart. Let me with all of your emotions, your feelings. Let me drive those. Long for me and desire me above everything else. And then he says, Loving with the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind. This word mind means our way of thinking, our way of understanding. Can I, I just want to say this to you this morning. If there is a target in all of our lives by the enemy, it's our mind. He comes after it all the time. He comes after our minds through TV, through music, through movies, through magazines. He, your mind is a target-filled for the enemy. Why? Because he wants to tell you the God who created all the universe, why would he love someone like you? And we've got to remember that our mind, according to Paul, needs to be transformed daily to not the world's thinking, but the way God thinks about us. Can I just tell you the good news for those of us that are believers today? Can I just tell you, you want to know you're deeply loved? We have been adopted into the family of God. I mean, we belong to him. And anything the enemy would tell us that's contrary to that, that tries to, to, tries to pit us against the worth that God says and says we're not as worthy or not as worth it, he's wrong. He says, I want you to love him with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Paul maybe said it the best when he said, whatever's true, what is pure, what is lovely, what is noble, what is admirable, Think on such things. Let our minds be transformed and focused on the Lord. So he says, I want you to love the Lord your God first. The second thing he says, the second is like it, that all of life and all of ministry hinge on loving God, but also loving people. All right. Because we're all people, right? 
Some of you are just messy, right? Some of you got jacked up lives. Some of you got jacked up finances. I mean, we all know messy people, don't we? Who knows messy people? Let me see your hands. And you know the saying, if you don't raise them, we're assuming you're the messy one, right? We all know messy people. And listen, I know people and you know people, they seem to be unlovable. In fact, they just seem to be even unlikable, some people. But when he says to love your neighbor, who is your neighbor? It's everybody. And I love what Jesus said, love him like you love yourself. You know what that means? It means to love without boundary. Love without boundary. Don't love them because they can do something for you. Don't love them because you think you can fix them. You love them because you first loved him and because of his love for you, you are called to love other people. Listen, we will never love God the way we're supposed to if we don't love people. And we will never love people the way we're supposed to if we first don't love God. He said, I want you to love your name without boundaries. What is the best way we can love people? Two things. You may want to write this down. If your faith is worth having, it's a faith worth sharing, isn't it? If your faith is something that has changed your life and changed your eternity, and you are thankful for what Jesus did for you on the cross of Calvary, which we sang about this morning, why in the world will you not be committed to share that with somebody else? If I'm going to love my neighbor... I need to share the most important message in my life that my neighbor needs to hear. And it's not how many kids I have, how long I've been married, how long I've been in ministry. It's about a Savior that I met when I was nine years old at Vacation Bible School. That's what we need to be doing, sharing our faith. But a second way we can love people is by serving them, serving them. To me, one of the most powerful moments, and we're going to get to it next year, in the Gospel of John in chapter 13 is when Jesus has his last moments with his disciples. They're in the upper room. And before they break into eating this Passover meal and Jesus begins to shift it into the Lord's Supper, there's something beautiful happens. Jesus takes a towel and he puts it around his waist and he gets on his knees and he washes the disciples' feet. And then he says this, as I've done this for you, go and do it for one another. He's not saying, hey, everybody pop your shoes off. Here comes Herb. He's going to come around. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying, as I have served you, go serve somebody else. Listen to me, church. You need to hear me this morning. If we are going to adequately love people, we've got to share our faith, and we've got to serve them. If we're not sharing our faith, and we're not serving them, listen, quite frankly, we're not loving them. And all of life. And all of ministry, Jesus says, not Doug, Jesus says, hinges on loving God and loving people. So I hope this morning you can embrace that purpose we have for our church. Yes, we've looked at our journey where God has brought us, but we have a purpose as we walk out these doors today, after you have lunch, of course, after we walk out these doors and you head home today, we have a purpose to love God and to love people and to be active and doing so. Everything hinges on it. My growth hinges on it. The success of my marriage hinges on it. The success of my parenting, the success of my finances, the success of my ministry, everything that is about me hinges on and succeeds on whether I'm loving God and loving people. So do we really want to embrace that purpose? Last thing I want you to notice this morning is I want us to look to the future. You probably know this passage. Speaking to the prophet Jeremiah, to the, to the southern kingdom of Judah, to the Israelites, and he says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. 
This was his words to the, to the Israelites in the, and sent off into Babylon, and eventually they will come back. And so what God tells Jeremiah to tell them is, look, I know your story. I have, I have plans for you. And it's not to do you harm, but it's to give you a hope and a future. Just a quick question. Do you think God has plans for our future as Cross Life East? Okay, I don't think you're all very convinced. Do you think God has plans for us as Cross Life East? I believe he does. I believe God's got humongous plans for us as a church as we move forward. As you think about it, as we think about our future, there's two things I want you to think about this morning. Here's the first thing. And then secondly, I'll get to the big announcement we've been talking about. The first thing is this. We know we need a home. We know that. We've said it over and over and over again. We need a home. And we're working on that. And listen, we need a home today for the same reasons I told you in 2020, December the 6th at Day 6 Farm. One reason is for credibility. We want people to know that we are here and we are here what? To stay. Do you know that the average church plant, over 80% of church plants don't make it past year three, much less 10 years? We've made it, amen? We've made it. Yeah, we've made it, and we've survived, and God has been faithful throughout that journey. But, you know, we need it for credibility. We want people to know that we're here to be a beacon of light and a city on a hill in a dark world. We need it for credibility. We also want it for stability. There's some things that's outside the control that we don't have here, like the thermostat or like when COVID hit. And it provides us the opportunity for us to call the shots. But can I tell you the greatest reason we need a home? It's so that we will have more opportunities to better love God and love people. When you think about our church as a whole, there's so many different things that we could have opportunities to do. Let's think about the kids for just a moment. Our kids' ministry is exploding. In fact, if you're in the elementary, you're a kid in the room today, I want you to stand up. They deserve way more than a golf clap. There we go. See the number of parents that leave here. And they'll tell me something like this. You know what, Doug? Uh, my kids said they can't wait to come back next week, so I guess we're coming back next week. What does that say about our kids' ministry? It says we've got a leader who loves Jesus, teaches Jesus, and loves on our kids. In fact, our kids' ministry has grown so much that now we're going to have to move Jerry to just being the elementary director. We've hired Michaela Ward to be our preschool director because we've got to have some help. So yeah, he's got big plans for our future. So kids' ministry is booming. And then think about our student ministry. Like all the teenagers in the room, would you stand up? All the teenagers, whether you want to or not, it's okay. Stand up, all the teenagers. You have to see, I didn't mean those who hoped they were teenagers. I meant real teenagers, right? Hey, listen. Two years ago, we could have fit them on one row. You think God is using the man that God has called us to lead that? I do. I do. And what about, you know, probably there's one group, and I love all of you. Can I just say I love all of you? But there's one group that really has my heart. There's one group that when I'm around them, they just, man, I'm ready to attack hell with a water pistol. I mean, they just put me on fire for the Lord, and I love them. And that's our young adults. All of our young adults from college and young adult ministry that come to my house once a month, would you all stand up? All of you guys stand up. There's a bunch of you. Before uh, Cameron took over, we had, what was it, Cam, three or four or five maybe? And I think we're at now we have like 70-some-odd on row that have been coming, whether it's Sunday morning small groups or here. We need a home's wife so they can, our students and our, our young adults can have a place to have a refuge, a place where they can come to call home. We need a home because of all the same reasons we've talked about for credibility, but mainly for opportunities for our kids, for our students, for our young adults, also for discipleship. 
We need to have a home so that we can have opportunity to further disciple people. I mean, I talk to Marty about this all the time. I, we will call when we have our building. It will be called Food Truck Wednesday. I'm just telling you. It's going to be Food Truck Wednesday. We're going to have food trucks set up, and we're going to have activities for students and kids and adults. I want to see the discipleship of this church to grow exponentially, something we can't. Another opportunity ways, but something we can do when we have our own home. So our discipleship can go off the chart. Another opportunity we'll have when we have a home is that we can serve our community even better. We can serve our community and do things for them that we can't do right now. So one thing I want you to know this morning is we believe, beyond a shadow of a doubt, we need a home. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Yet, we know the county has decided they really like our piece of property, Right? And we know that they're going to use it. And so I just want you to know today, and this is not the big announcement. I'm getting there in a minute, that our Next Level team is incredible. They're doing a great job, and they're working tirelessly to have meetings and have conversations and to give us marching orders of what we need to do to find out. We are in the process of figuring out what we're going to do with what we have and where we're going to go. We're doing that. But I want you to hear me say this. Everybody look at me. This is something you need to hear me as the East Campus pastor say. When we bought that property two years ago, it was the right move for us. It was the right move for us. It was a step of faith that 140 people needed to take, and we took it, and I thank God for that move. That was a huge step for us, and we took it, and I'm so proud of this church. So I don't, because God's people say, well, you think that was a mistake? No. No, it wasn't a mistake. Why? Because God's people stepped out and trusted God, and look what he's done. We own a piece of property now. And so I want you to hear me say that that was the right move for us. That was a step of obedience. Also, I want you to hear me say this. Our vision for a home has not and will not change. Amen. We're not just going to settle for mediocre. We're still looking for a place to call our home. And last thing I want you to hear me say related to this is that I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, and I convince myself this all the time, God's timing is perfect. Amen. It's not my timing. Whew, I can tell you that. It's definitely not my timing. But it's perfect. And so while, listen to me, while we think about needing a home and we think about all the opportunities of what we can do, man, let's just keep dreaming about that. And we know our property is not going to be that place, and I'm okay with that. Why? Because somebody asked me, well, you know, Doug, you, why, why do you think that maybe this hasn't worked out? And I'm like, well, I, I don't know. I just know that God's timing is perfect. That was the right pastoral answer to give, wasn't it? And here's what they said to me, and it stabbed me to the heart. They said, well, maybe it's because your dream wasn't as big as God's dream. Yeah, rebuke the pastor. Thanks a lot, right? <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Because it reminded me that we all know we serve a huge God. Amen. He's in control. His timing is perfect. He's on the throne. And we're just going to continue to trust him. So what are we going to do in the meantime? God has continued to bless us. We've continued to see growth after growth after growth, and we're so thankful for that. And so I've been meeting with key leadership like our deacons and some of our key leadership that's, that's in the church, and we've been meeting with, okay, as we grow, how, how can we continue to keep this culture of family as we grow? Because many of you would say, well, if you're a big church, you can't have a sense of family. And I would tell you, you're wrong. I've been in a church that grew from 125 to 900 in five years, and we felt as much like a family at 900 than we ever did at 125. So how do we keep this culture of family? So we've been thinking about it for almost a year now. I've been meeting with the deacons, talking about it, and so we start talking about, well, maybe, maybe two services is the best option. Maybe we go to two services, it gets more people in the room, we can grow, we can expand, and just see what God has for us there. And so we, as the, even as campus staff, we began meeting and planning, going, maybe this is the right path for us to grow to expand, to keep our culture. 
And the more we prayed and the more we prayed and the more we prayed, we felt like maybe two services is not now. Maybe it's, someone said amen. Maybe, maybe it's not now. It's all right. If you want to say amen, it's all right. Say it now. Culture. We got it now. We got it now to maintain this family and this culture family will carry us into the future. So it's important for us to maintain it right now. So what are we going to do in the meantime? Because if you look around, we can't do it here. We have no more room here if we're going to stay in one. So this is the big announcement. October 1. Everybody say October 1. We are moving. We are moving to East River High School on October the 1st. It's going to get you. It's right. You can celebrate that. October 1. In case you missed it, that was the big announcement. October 1. We are moving to East River. That will give us a chance to grow and to expand our kids' ministry, grow and expand our small group ministry, grow and expand that, that auditorium seats 962 people. You think we maybe could fill it up for Easter? Wouldn't that be incredible? And so we're going to go to East River, and the school there, the principal there has been incredible. The staffing there has been incredible. And so October 1, next week we'll be here. But October 1, we are moving, and I'm so excited that we're going to move a place that we can grow and we can expand in. Now, some of you have a lot of questions, and that's great. That's what the lunch is for. You can ask me all you want to. But as you leave today, we have uh, out back there, we have a map of what the campus at East River looks like and where everything is going to be. So you get outside, look at that map. We show you where parking is going to be, where kids are going to be, where small groups are going to be. But we are moving, and I'm so excited about that. I'm so excited about that. Now, here's what you'll also hear me say, but it's still our temporary home. That while we look for a permanent home, and while we play out all the stuff with the NLT team that's working tirelessly on this, this is going to be our temporary home, and it's perfect for the season that we are in. So I just wanted to challenge us this morning, as we think about things, that we would realize today that our future is bright. As we look at the journey we've been on, as we think about embracing uh, our purpose, as we think about the future God has for us, our future is bright. But hear me say this this morning. If we're going to be all that God wants us to be, it's going to take all of us. Listen to me, church. It's going to take all of us buying into the journey that we've been on and celebrating the faithfulness of God. It's going to take all of us embracing our purpose to truly love God and love people and not let, make it just a cliche on a t-shirt, but it's the very way we live our life. And it's the way we do ministry. It's the way we do church. We need to embrace that. And also, if we're going to do this all together, we've got to have a heart that says, Lord, whatever your timing is, we timing's perfect. So today, I want to do something a little bit different. I want to end with just one simple question. A question I've been waiting to ask you for like eight weeks now. And it's this. Are you all in? I mean, like, I mean, like, Doug, man, I'm all in with celebrating the journey. Doug, I'm all in embracing our purpose. And Doug, I'm all in and trusting God for what he has for our future. Are we really as a church all in? Man, I hope so. Because so today, here's what we're going to do. In just a minute, I'm going to pray. And up here, there are going to be two tables. We have this little chip up here. I would say poker chip, but we're in church. It's a chip up here. And on one side, it says cross life. East, 10 years, and has the phrase all in. And on the back, it reminds us of our purpose to love God and love people. And if you're one of those people that says, Doug, I'm here, I'm bought in, I'm all in. I'm celebrating the journey, I'm embracing our purpose, and I can't wait to see what God has for the future. At the moment the band begins to lead us, I'm going to ask you to come and just grab one of these chips. There's enough for everybody. Grab one of these chips, take it home, and every time you see it, 
Remind yourself of the commitment you've made to be all in and remind yourself of what we're called to do and that's to love God and love people. And if maybe you're on the fence today or maybe you're just new here today, would you come grab one of these? Take it home and let the Holy Spirit maybe use this in your life to go, you know what? Those people are crazy for Jesus. And maybe that's exactly the kind of place I need to plant my family. And if I plant my family, I'm going to be all in. So I would love for you also to come grab a chip. Take it home with you. Let the Holy Spirit use it in your life however he deems fit. So right now, everybody stand with me if you would. Everybody stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed. God, I thank you for today. God, there's really not enough time today to talk exclusively about the entire journey you've had us on. But God, I thank you for that journey. I thank you as we look back We see the almost 200 baptisms. We see a church that is financially the community. We see a church when we were small that we took an enormous leap of faith and we journeyed to buy some land together. God, we thank you that we see a church that's created a culture, a family, where everybody matters, everybody belongs, and everybody's loved. God, thank you for that. But God, my prayer today for those that have been here for a while, those that love this church, that they would embrace our purpose. This whole notion of loving God and loving people, Lord, it is not cliche for us. It's just not a cool t-shirt. It's the lens for how we do ministry. And it should be the lens for how we do life. God, may we make a new commitment today to love you from the depths of our soul, the depths of our heart, and from the depths of our minds. And God, may we commit to love people. Yes, the messy people. Yes, the people that come at untimely moments. Yes, the people that annoy the daylights out of us. Because God, you've loved us. And may the love you've shown us be demonstrated in how we love others. And then God, I pray for a body today. I pray that we would realize our future is bright. And we trust it to you. We know we need a home for all the reasons we talked about, Lord, but we trust you because you know needs we don't know. You have a plan that maybe we don't see, but Lord, today we declare as the body, as, as, the, as the one who's leading this local body of believers, I declare as the leader, leaning on you, Lord, may we stray from trying to figure everything out, but may we just depend and lean on your wisdom and your way. So God, I pray today that we would be all in, that today you would light a fire in us, So when we get home, we go, man, God is on the move in my church. And I got to invite my family. I got to invite my friends. Because this is not a church. This is a movement. God is showing up and showing out week after week. And people are lifting up the name of Jesus. And lives are being changed and transformed. God, may we leave today fired up, not about us, but about you. And may it continue to grow and change the trajectory of our church. God, we love you. And I pray today, Lord, we would say we are all in. For it's in your precious, in your holy son's name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Today, as we sing about the greatness and the goodness of God, as you feel led, I just challenge you to come get one of these. Like I said, if you're committed here, man, let this be something that spurs you on to a greater love of commitment. If you're new or just on the fence, take it home. Put it somewhere special. 
And if you say, hey, listen, Doug, hey, we were just here for the day. We're visiting or whatever. Take it home and pray for us. Pray that our church would embrace our purpose and that we would lean on God for our future. But if you're unsure, take it home and let God use this as a means to encourage you that if you decide to be part of this, it's not about occupying a seat. It's not just about a church that filled with, with, makes walls. It's about a movement of what God is doing here. And a movement that, listen, you and I get to be part of. So if you want to be part of something bigger than yourself, let's grab one of these chips. So as the band leads us, you move as the Lord leads you.